0: This is the 415ers podcast on the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network with 95.7 The Game. Please download the Odyssey app. Rate, subscribe to us there. That's Mark Randy. I'm Evan Giddings. Well, that was maybe the biggest headline from the second week of OTAs uh, in terms of non-quarterback news. Uh, sure. But there were other takeaways we had, Mark. And you know we can get into the quarterbacks if you want. Um, Brent and I also mentioned the fact that his new locker mate, uh, Jair Brown, has been performing extremely well in his first OTAs. Isaiah Oliver, we got a first look at him as kind of the new nickelback on defense. Uh, the offensive line appears pretty set. Uh, Spencer Burford and then Colton McKivitz don't really have a lot of competition on that right side of the offensive line. Jake Moody knocking down some big kicks. And then Diamondour Lenore also apparently performed pretty well against a couple of wide receivers, I included. So, I guess the question is, Mark, where do you want to start? What were kind of your takeaways from the second week of OTAs?
1: Definitely quarterback stuff, which we'll get to in a little bit. I'll stay away from that for now. Uh, One thing that is really standing out to me, Evan, uh, it is Drake Jackson on the defensive line for the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, The reports are he has put on 13 pounds of muscle this offseason from 252 pounds to 265 pounds that's what David Lombardi of the athletic is reporting and that's really big for the 49ers you remember last year he had a pretty good start and, and he was on pace with Aiden Hutchinson who was a a, a, hot, a top really high pick he was on pace with him in sacks uh, early in the season but but then there was kind of the, the head scratching healthy scratches healthy inactives for Drake Jackson towards the end of the season um, and the Niners did have some pretty good depth at that, that position last year. But I know, uh, what, a month ago, maybe a few weeks ago, we were talking about expected likely starters. Drake Jackson is the assumed starter at this point at the defensive end opposite Nick Bosa. Um, so the fact that he's had what seems like a very productive offseason bodes really well for his success and the 49ers' ability to to pair someone along with Nick Bosa on the ends of that defensive line uh, and make this defense that much more formidable. I think his progression is just absolutely key. Maybe not necessarily his, but someone's progression at that outside defensive end spot is incredibly important for the 49ers. Drake Jackson just happens to be the likeliest candidate for that spot. So the fact that he's had what seems to be a pretty good offseason, I think is hugely important, and it was on display uh, here in OTA so far.
0: Well, yeah, especially with him basically getting DMPs down the stretch of the yeah. season. Uh, wasn't even active on game day for that for that entire playoff run, so it's a big boost for him, I'm sure. Uh, one, one thing, Mark, that that always catches my eye is you know, how much a guy will put on as far as weight in the offseason. Drake Jackson's still pretty young, so it's not necessarily – out of the realm of possibility. Uh, but to put into perspective, 13 pounds, that may not sound like a lot to a ton. You know, There's 18 weeks between the NFC championship game. And when we're talking right now, the average human, it is only healthy to put on at most about one pound of muscle per week. So if you do the math, 13 over 18 is about as close as you can get to maximizing <laughs> the, the, physical human threshold of, of of weight so this guy has put on quite a bit of uh, of pounds and apparently is in the three plate club uh for those power lifters out there 315 pounds on the bench is a huge mark for a lot of people and for a huge human like drake jackson so i'm glad to hear that he has gotten much stronger because like you mentioned i'm sure the 49ers are hoping that he can win the job opposite nick bosa on the defensive line um the the big part that that kind of caught caught my eye mark was, was Jake Moody. Uh, because Hmm. as everyone knows, third round kickers do not come along often. And the amount of them that actually pan out are potentially even fewer, but Jake Moody by all accounts. And according to Jim Harbaugh is the guy. And on Thursday made four kicks, including a 53 yarder, whereas Zane Gonzalez was not as efficient. And it does appear like not only the 49ers have their kicker for this season, uh, still early returns, but it does appear like that pick was used properly because if you can find a guy that you can trust as a rookie right out of the gates and is immediately consistently knocking home long field goals, something that even though Robbie Gold was incredible, incredibly efficient at doing, uh, did not have the kind of range that Jake Moody had, and so they were looking to upgrade from that aspect. Uh, that that's big, Mark, and so I'm glad to hear that Jake Moody is at least for now. Uh, on the straight and narrow because the 49ers don't really have a lot of options if he doesn't turn out to be good.
1: No, they don't. Uh, He has absolutely outkicked Zane Gonzalez to this point. Has he Uh, outkicked his coverage? (laughs) Maybe. I don't know. I guess we'll find out. Um, He has definitely outkicked Zane Gonzalez, which uh, is something the 49ers were praying for, of course, because, again, if a third-round kicker fails, that looks so incredibly bad on you as a, an organization draft, making that pick, making that decision. So, so far so good. We'll see when games actually come. And if he can keep that up, that will be the ultimate test. Kicking is as much mental as it is physical. Um, We'll, we'll see what it's like in regular season games in the NFL, but certainly good signs there. I'm with you. That's a big takeaway because the 49ers absolutely need him to be good. Otherwise you're going to be scrambling to find a solution. And you're not going to, to want to do that because that means admitting defeat on a third round pick of a kicker. So really big deal there. Um, something else that stood out to me has been, I guess, the offensive line as a whole. We, we talked a lot about, and there's still a lot of time in the offseason, about how there, there might be more moves coming for the 49ers, Evan. Um, and there still could be. But the fact that there, there hasn't been anything yet really significant to this point. And based on the way the 49ers are talking about Colton McKivitz, also Spencer Burford, uh, I think just goes to tell you that the Niners are 100% set and confident, and they are content with going into the season with these current starters on the offensive line. I mean, just listen to what Chris Furster said about Spencer Burford earlier in the week. Uh, He said this year he's come in and looks like a different guy is carrying himself differently. The confidence level. I think he's ready to make that step. And I'd say at this point, as much as you can tell from it, he looks prepared and ready to go. Now that doesn't mean a whole lot. He's he's not going to disparage any one of his guys on the offensive line, but this is a guy who started 16 games last year. Now he was kind of in and out throughout most of those games with Daniel Brunskill, but Brunskill has moved on that spot on the offensive line is Spencer Burford's. And the fact that you hear Chris Furster, who's so respected as uh, an offensive line coach in this league, say things like that about, you know, a a young offensive lineman, uh, I think uh, is a great sign for the San Francisco 49ers. And, you know, we talk a lot about that right tackle spot, but just giving a position any position on the offensive line to a young guy like Spencer Burford, a relative unknown going into last season, that's a big if as well. You don't have, again, you don't have Brunskill there to swap in and out, series for series. Spencer Burford taking over that role and not looking back would be huge for the 49ers, and based on what we've seen so far, seems like he's, he's doing everything right up to this point, and that's huge for the 49ers.
0: Yeah, um, forgive me if I have some pause uh, about the offensive line. And Chris Furster, like you mentioned, is well-respected. Uh, I also don't think he's going to bury any of his guys. And I do believe that you're right that these signs, these quotes, what I take away from them about the confidence in that right side of the line is that they're not going to make any more additions, that this is going to be their offensive line. Colt McKibbin is going to be right tackle week one. Spencer Burford is going to be right guard, as he was last year week week one. but. I have only yet to see Spencer Burford throughout an entire season hold up and hold his own. I have not seen Colton McKivitz do that at arguably a far more important position. And Mike McGlinchey, I know the that Firster was kind of comparing him with, with McGlinchey, and he might be much maligned by a few fans just because of some of the, I think, unfortunate plays he's been a part of. But uh Mike McGlinchey was a damn good run blocker for the 49ers. Fine, as far as his pass blocking. And so he's got really big shoes to fill, does McKivitz, And I am much more wait and see when it comes to the offensive line for the 49ers just because I feel like in many ways that was their undoing down the stretch of last season and especially in the NFC Championship game. And they didn't make any upgrades there. Now, if you want to say they got better internally, Spencer Burford, it's his second season. Aaron Banks, third season. Jake Brendel has a chance to step up. Colton McKivitz on that right side gets a starting opportunity. Of course, you know what you got in Trent Williams. I I guess I'll hear you. But when your biggest potential flaw offensively, which is also a compliment to the rest of the pieces around them, is not exactly addressed, uh, I, I, I can't really take Furster's quotes as being reasons to just all of a sudden raise the bat raise the banner and say we're all good up front
1: i guess i would fire back and i i totally i i agree with you i feel the same way i spent a lot of time on the the podcast talking about the offensive line and how i feel like they still need to address something i guess maybe my thought would be if it seems obvious that it's a, a position of need and the 49ers aren't doing a lot to address that Maybe they have a different conclusion. They have decided, you know what? These guys are actually really good. I mean, it could just be as simple as that. Now, of course, more depth is always better than less depth. uh, And I would feel more comfortable if they were to bring a couple other trusted bodies in Evan. But perhaps they just feel much more confident about it than we do. It could just be as simple as Colton McKibbin is about to have a breakout season. We just don't know it because we haven't seen it yet. We don't really know a ton about him. Um, so maybe that's the case that's definitely a a glass half full perspective of it but I mean maybe the the 49ers simply know and of course they know more about this but perhaps they have a reason to be confident and feel like they don't need to address that position
0: where I would meet you in the middle is I feel like this offseason offensive linemen were getting paid a lot of money and the 49ers found a chance to spend their big money on the defensive line on a player that was unequivocally one of the best in the free agency class, arguably the best player last season at his position, mm-hmm. Javon Hargrave. Meanwhile, Colt McKivitz offers you an opportunity to not only stay, you know, internal and keep that kind of chemistry and cohesion up front, but it also offers you an opportunity to stay cheap and you can get better value for a guy like McKivitz even if it means a bit of a fall off than paying Mike McGlinchey 87 and a half million dollars or whatever he made to try and retain him or go out and get another big boy. So I, I think it's probably a little bit of both, whereas the 49ers feel comfortable with McKivitt starting, but they also feel comfortable with what they're paying him. And they're a little bit cash trapped at this point. That's that's the way I look at it.
1: Yeah, the best of both worlds would be, okay, McKivitz is about to have a better season than McGlinchey, and you saved a ton of money. Yeah. At, but, of course, all we know right now is that they're saving money at that position. We don't know about the performance. Um, One other thing, I think, to mention before we do move on to quarterbacks, uh, a little surprise, perhaps, to see Debo Samuel out there this week at OTAs. He was not there week one. He was out there for week two. Uh, Ray Ray McLeod also was out there. Safety Talanoa Hufunga was out there as well. Uh, Jawan Jennings, who was seen on the side last week, he was out there working with uh, with the team for the most part. Uh, so overall improved attendance for the 49ers, most notably Debo Samuel, who many didn't expect to see uh, this early in the offseason.
0: Yeah, I guess that doesn't shock me as much, just because last year in a much more contentious offseason yeah. for Debo, he was still also spotted, you know, pretty early in camp after wiping the 49ers from his social and <laughs> mayor maybe not asking for a trade. Who knows? Uh and then was still available and showed up pretty quickly thereafter. So I don't know. I think I think Debo's just a team guy and um, you know, Bosa, Hargrave, Williams, all those guys are not there. So I, I don't read too much into it like any way or the other.
1: Yeah. No, you're, I mean, doesn't mean all that much. Nick Bosa, you're not going to see him. Trent Williams, you're probably not going to see him. Obviously, Brock Purdy is an injury related thing. But yeah, I mean, one of your stars, your legit stars who's been through battles, not showing up to OTAs, not not a big deal at all.